Hello and welcome to the Rugby Gods podcast. I'm John Keenan. No mai hari mai. Today is November 13th and now let's talk some rugby. Alright, so last podcast, last weekend, uh, I said I would do a midweek podcast focused exclusively on uh, the New Zealand National Provincial Competition, uh, the Bunnings NPC for 2021, uh, as its semi-finals weekend uh, just finished up this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I didn't have the time, uh, motivation or energy to get that done. Uh, so what I'm going to do is have a quick go over the results uh, from last night, from Friday, uh, and the three matches that were played today on Saturday. So yeah, there was uh, four semifinals, two premiership semifinals, uh, and two championship semifinals. And then obviously uh, next weekend, uh, we'll have two finals uh, to get uh, a couple of winners uh, for 2021 uh, in the top tier, tier one premiership, and the uh, second tier, tier two uh, championship. So yeah, let's get into that uh, first, uh, and then I want to have a go through uh, what happened last weekend uh, in the autumn or November internationals um, that we talked significantly about uh, last week, uh, and then obviously want to have a bit of a look uh, at what's happening this weekend as well, which is sort of like week two of uh, three weeks worth of uh, internationals uh, in Europe. So yeah, uh, a fair amount to get through there, uh, we'll see how we go. But yeah, uh, first of all, uh, first thing to do is to recap these uh, semi-finals. Uh, so last night on Friday, uh, 12th of November, uh, there was a championship semi-final. Uh, it was Manoa 2 at home to Otago. So that was essentially uh, 2v3 uh, in the championship or like tier 2 division, as you if you will. So uh, Manoa 2 was ranked 2, Otago was ranked 3, uh, but it was uh, 44-16 to Otago away. Uh, in Palmerston North, uh, so that was a pretty good win from Otago there. Uh, so Manawatu not good enough to get through to their final uh, or to get through to a uh, championship final, uh, which would have been uh, a really good effort uh, from that team. Uh, so you know Otago finishing the season pretty strong, uh, and I think uh, they are where they should be. Like at the start of the season, uh, just with the talent that you could see inside of their squad, uh, it looked to me like they really should be, you know, pushing for a top you know, for the top spot, um, you know, and really challenging hard for, you know, seed one. Uh, as it was, they finished third, um, you know, and had this away semi-final, uh, but they did it pretty comfortably against Manoa too. Uh, if we move into the Saturday games, there were three today. Uh, the third one just finished about half an hour to an hour ago, uh, and I watched that one. Uh, so I'm coming to you uh, after all four results. Uh, but yeah, three more semi-finals uh, happened today uh, after that Friday match that we just talked about. Uh, the first one uh, was Taranaki at home to Southland. So that was, again, a second championship semi-final. Uh, that was Taranaki as one seed, uh, Southland as fourth seed. Uh, or Taranaki as first seed, I guess I should say. Uh, and Taranaki was good enough to win uh, at home 25-13 uh, over Southland there. Uh, really dirty conditions, I'd have to say, like just very wet, um, you know, pr pretty terrible conditions uh, to play in. Um, but there was a little bit of decent rugby, I'd say, or like, you know, the, the, the players certainly played to the conditions and probably played a little bit better uh, than the conditions should have allowed. Uh, so well done there uh, to both teams. But, you know, Taranaki uh, fairly comfortably held or like, you know, held Southland down there. Uh, it was pretty tight going into the final 10 minutes. Actually, I must say, last 10-15 minutes, Southland certainly hung around in that match. Uh, but Taranaki finished pretty strong uh, and got the job done. So they, being first seed and winning that semi-final, they will be taking on Otago uh, in next week's final. 
so it'll be our 1v3 uh, there in terms of the uh, semi-finalists becoming finalists. Uh, on to the second match, um, which was played uh, in Hawke's Bay. It was Hawke's Bay at home to Tasman. So again, this was a 1v4, so first seed versus fourth seed, uh, but this time for the Premiership, for the Tier 1, for the top group. Uh, so Hawke's Bay have had an incredible season. Uh, they kept the Renfrew the Shield uh, for the entire season, uh, which they won back in 2020. So it's very impressive to um, you know hold and retain a Renfrew the Shield uh, for your entire season. Uh, so it's what they've done. They've locked up the Renfrew Shield for their second summer in a row. So a really good performance that uh, from Hawke's Bay. And on the way to doing that, um, they were good enough to actually come first or like be first or top seed uh, in the Premiership. So, you know, best New Zealand provincial team, uh, obviously with the caveat that, uh, you know, it was a pretty uh, maligned season. And obviously, you know, three Auckland teams uh, didn't really have a say in that. But, you know, basically, uh, just in terms of the teams that were available, the games that were available to be played, Hawks Bay was your best team through the regular season. Uh, and they got a look at Tasman uh, at home. And that was a Tasman team that is the two-time defending champions. Uh, and it was Tasman who were good enough to beat Hawks Bay. They beat them 33-27 away uh, at McLean Park. So, you know, that's the first loss uh, for Hawks Bay uh, in uh, Napier or in the Hawks Bay for a long time. I'm not sure how far you'd have to go back for that, but you'd certainly have to go back sometime uh, into like the mid to early uh, 2020 uh, to get a loss there uh, in Napier. So yeah, Hawks Bay would be pretty disappointed with that. Um, like I just said, you know, able to good enough to win all their home games uh, throughout the season and retain the Renfrew the Shield, uh, but they lost uh, their home semi-final there. So you know, Tasman certainly showing their class. Uh, they only just uh, squeaked in. To the top four, they you know came in as fourth seed. Uh, basically, they had to beat Wellington last weekend uh, to get into the top four, uh, which they did. Uh, and then you know that obviously gave them a look at a pretty difficult assignment, i.e., away to the Hawks Bay. Uh, but they were good enough to win, 33-27. So well done to Tasman. So they're going to be in their third final in a row. Uh, they've won two, uh, and they will be taking on the winner <coughs> of the final semi-final. <clears throat> excuse me, that was just played out uh, about an hour ago. So that was Waikato as second seed, taking on Canterbury third seed uh, in the other or the second you know, Premiership semi-final. Uh, as it was, it was 17-14 to Waikato. Uh, so the home team there, or the second seed, uh, getting the win over the third seed Canterbury. So, you know, Canterbury getting eliminated uh, in the semi-finals. Um, you know, they've certainly fallen off the... Uh, NPC pace of late the last couple of seasons uh, they've been a little bit down or a little bit off the pace uh, after being so dominant um, you know for sort of five six seven years before that but yeah last sort of two or three seasons been quite tough for Canterbury uh, and Waikato uh, compounded that by denying them uh, a shot at a final so Waikato are going to be back at the big dance and they're going to be taking on Tasman uh, and that will be Waikato at home uh, as Waikato was uh, second seed Canterbury third seed Hawks Bay, the loser uh, at home, was first seed, and Tasman was fourth seed. So in the Premiership uh, final for next weekend, it will be second seed Waikato taking on fourth seed Tasman. Uh, and that match, well, it's going to nominally be a home game uh, for Waikato, uh, but they can't actually play inside the province at the moment uh, due to COVID-19 issues um, in both Auckland and Waikato. So they will probably... Uh, this semi-final was played in Rotorua, which is actually in the Bay of Plenty, uh, a different province. I'm assuming they'll probably play a second week in Rotorua, 
but they could perhaps even take the game uh, to Taranaki, uh, where Tar Taranaki has uh, a home final uh, in the championship. Um, so you could maybe have a double header uh, coming out of Taranaki uh, next weekend. Uh, it's to be confirmed at this stage uh, where they take that match. But basically, yeah, what you've got for next weekend um, is going to be, uh, first match will be on the Friday, which will be Taranaki uh, at home to Otago. And then the second match, the Premiership match, uh, will be on the Saturday. Um, and that will be, um, sorry, getting lost there, Waikato at home to Tasman uh, with no Hawks Bay, who fell short there in their semi-final. So yeah, um, that's the way it played out. Um, I'd have to say a couple of surprising results there. Um, not not too surprised that Otago got up for that win away uh, over Manawatu. I think Manawatu certainly overperformed to get themselves to you know second seed in the championship this year. I think that was uh, no disrespect, but I think that was a very favourable um, you know uh, finish for them as such. Uh, and it really didn't surprise me, you know, that Otago came through and won that one. Uh, but I would say, um, you know, Waikato holding off Canterbury uh, effectively at a neutral venue, i.e. Rotorua, uh, tonight, like just an hour ago, which I watched, I thought that was quite surprising. I thought Ca Canterbury would be good enough to win that one, get through to a final. Uh, and of course, you know, Tasman turning up in Hawke's Bay uh, and beating, you know, the number one seed, like basically the best province uh, in the country. Um, you know, the, a team that's, you know, held the Renfrew Shield to effectively won all their home games now for more than a year. Um, so, you know, very impressive that Tasman could come up there uh, and beat them away uh, in Napier. So, yeah, definitely a boil over there. Uh, and I'd also have to say, um, just watching the highlights, extended highlights of the Taranaki-Southland match, I have to say Southland put in a pretty good shift against Taranaki, who, again, also look like a really good team this season uh, and are certainly the favourites uh, to win the championship, i.e. the Tier 2 level. Um, but, you know, Southland really did, or really were competitive in that match for, you know, sort of 60, 65 minutes and, you know, really made Taranaki work. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, there was a, definitely a couple of a really good uh, really good matches, um, you know, to be seen there uh, across the four. Uh, so, yeah, and best of luck. Um, we'll certainly, uh, this podcast or me, for sure, uh, we will certainly have uh, a little bit more talk uh, about the NPC uh, heading into the finals. I'm not going to make any promises about midweek podcasts because, you know, I've tried my best uh, to get myself uh, into a position where I can, you know, do it justice. Uh, and I've often just run out of time or I just I just don't have the energy, the motivation to get it done. Uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, so if there is a surprise Thursday podcast, uh, pretty much exclusively looking uh, at the New Zealand National Provincial Competition and the finals uh, for 2021, then, you know, you'll be in luck. Uh, but I'm not promising anything uh, this coming week. So, yeah, let's push it on to the uh, internationals uh, and what we sort of talked about last week. Uh, so last week was, yeah, pretty much all about uh, the November internationals or the autumn internationals. Uh, there were nine internationals uh, on offer uh, for, the rugby, for the rugby lover uh, last Saturday and Sunday. I think there were seven games on the Saturday uh, and two on the Sunday. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I went through the games, um, and then I gave you uh, basically what I thought would happen. So let's sort of recap um, how close was I, you know, what happened in reality, and how close was I. Um, so first match was uh, Ireland-Japan, and it was 60-5 to five to Ireland, which was an incredible result. Um, 
I picked Ireland to win by five, uh, and Ireland won that match. Ireland won that match by fifty-five points. Uh, so that was an incredible performance because um, Japan looked really good against Australia only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they played them in Japan. I think it was at Oita, um, which I believe is uh, a dome or like you know like uh, good conditions anyway. Uh, but you know they really uh, pushed them, pushed them hard uh, in Japan uh, at Oita. Uh, you know two weeks ago. And so, you know, for this Japanese team to turn up and get pumped by 55 points, you know, two weeks later in Dublin, I was very surprised at that. Uh, not, you know, not surprised that Ireland won. I did pick Ireland by five. Uh, but, you know, I, I really thought, you know, first game out or first sort of hit out for, the, for Ireland with not a lot of uh, preparation for their, for their team uh, or their national team. You know, obviously a lot of players are at many different clubs and even multiple competitions in Europe. So I thought the cohesion would be lacking just a touch. I thought Japan might be a little bit more settled, a little bit more together uh, in terms of like a little bit of a touring party, uh, but not to be. You know, Ireland, 60-5, a very impressive result. So yeah, I picked Ireland by 5, Ireland won by 55. Uh, the second match of the weekend, or on at the same time, was Italy uh, versus the All Blacks or New Zealand. Uh, so it was 47-9 uh, to the All Blacks there. Uh, so I picked New Zealand to win by 50, uh, and New Zealand won by 38. <clears throat> so, you know, like, fairly accurate there. Um, pretty scrappy, especially the first half from New Zealand. Um, they were certainly a lot better in the second half, uh, but, you know, pretty contained by Italy, you'd have to say. Um, hard to know exactly why, uh, but I, I would say that not too many people put their hands up in terms of... Um, if you're going to call this like sort of like the All Blacks development team, or, or almost actually almost an All Blacks midweek team, if you will, um, a little bit disrespectful to Italy, I know, but that certainly was the feel I think uh, to this uh, team and to this match. Um, a little bit of a phony war, you know, before Ireland this weekend and France next weekend. Uh, so if you were going to you know kind of call this a little bit of a, a New Zealand A team, an All Blacks A team. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from a few key players. Um, I definitely think um, somebody like Damian McKenzie certainly played themselves out of being uh, named in the 23 uh, this coming weekend against the island with his performance. Uh, and there was a couple of other players uh, that really just didn't put their hands up either. Uh, and I think it ruled them out of, you know, making the 23 uh, for this weekend. So yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to be too critical. You know, you beat Italy 47-9. I mean, you keep them trialless. Um, it's pretty comparable to what teams were doing to Italy at the start of the year in the Six Nations. So you can't really be too down on it. Uh, but I think, you know, New Zealand and New Zealand supporters, uh, just New Zealand rugby public in general, has pretty high standards. And coming off that Welsh performance, which I, I really do think was a step up, you know, a really good step in the right direction, uh, that Welsh match uh, a couple of weeks back uh, to then pop over to Rome uh, and beat them 47-9. I just don't think you quite did enough there um, to, well, basically to make uh, yourself happy inside of the All Blacks, but certainly to make the rugby-loving public uh, back home in New Zealand happy about it. So, yeah, you know, I had New Zealand uh, by 50. They won by 38, so not a bad pick. But certainly, you know, All Blacks a little bit underperforming. Ireland certainly overachieving massively. And as we'll see soon, uh, those teams have uh, some business to attend to this weekend. So on to the third match. Uh, it was Spain-Fiji. Uh, so Fiji won this one 43-13. So yeah, I had Fiji to win by 20, Fiji won by 30. So, you know, again, a fairly reasonable pick from me. 
Um, I was probably a little bit light on Fiji there. Um, it's probably always going to be more like a 30, 35, 40 kind of point win for Fiji. Uh, but good to see you know Spain involved uh, in the internationals. Uh, the fourth match was uh, Portugal-Canada. Uh, and it was Portugal beating Canada 20-17. to 17. So uh, that was a huge win there for Portugal. Uh, I picked Canada by 5, uh, and it was Portugal by 3. So yeah, you know, uh, a real boil over there. Uh, I certainly was not surprised by that, though. Um, you know, I think if you heard my podcast last week, uh, I said, you know, this Canada team has just gone from, you know, woe to woe. Uh, and it's, it's really been a tough, like, last sort of five years for Canada and, and Canadian rugby. Uh, and I pretty much said, you know, I wouldn't actually be surprised uh, if they dropped it. Uh, and, you know, lo and behold, they did. Um, so I was back in Canada there. I had them by five, uh, but it was Portugal by three. Uh, the next match, uh, which started just a tick later uh, than those last two, uh, was England uh, at home to Tonga, and it was 69-3 to England. So England, you know, really put it on uh, in that final quarter. Um, Tonga just had no answers. Um, they kept it relatively tight uh, in the first half. Again, it was a, a little bit similar to the um, Italy All Blacks or Italy New Zealand match. You know, Tonga was certainly hanging in there uh, for the first sort of like 40, 50 minutes. Um, England were playing pretty well, but Tonga had enough defensive answers uh, to get out of jail uh, fairly consistently. Uh, they did pick up a red card around the 60th minute, though. I think it was about 60, 65 minutes. Uh, and that last sort of 15, 20 minutes for Tonga was awful. Or, you know, obviously they were a man down, uh, and England certainly made them pay. So um, I had England to win by 40, uh, and England ended up winning that by 66. So you'd have to say England looking very good there, or that was a very good head out for England. Um, you know, showing that they do have quite a lot of attacking weapons, and they can score tries in 2021. Uh, the next match was a very saucy match. Uh, I really enjoyed watching this game. Uh, it was Wales at home to South Africa, uh, and it was South Africa. They were good enough to beat Wales uh, 23-18. Uh, that was an absolute dogfight. Like, those two teams really threw down, uh, and Wales were winning that for considerable periods, uh, sort of controlling and or winning that game for considerable periods of it. Uh, but you'd have to say, going into that sort of like last 10 to 15 minutes, it really did seem like Wales had kind of shut up shop on winning the game or, I guess, advancing the game. Um, they really just sort of seemed pretty content to have 18 points and to just kind of keep it, or like, you know, retain or keep their lead. Uh, and they were almost good enough to do that, uh, but South Africa ran over the top of them, scored the match winner uh, in that final 10 minutes, uh, and won it, you know, 23-18. Uh, I believe Yanchi's kicked a penalty as well, essentially in injury time and or, you know, like final play of the game. Uh, but South Africa still was, through Malcolm Marks, you know, good enough to get up and score um, their try. I think it was the only try uh, of the match uh, in the last sort of like five to ten minutes of it. So it was uh, a pretty tight one. It was pretty entertaining, very close. And I'd have to say um, just, just really competitive and just played in the right spirits. Um, I just enjoyed watching it. It was it was down, you'd have to say. I mean, one try, I believe, in the whole 80 minutes uh, between between both teams. Um, but I, but it didn't really take away from the enjoyment factor for me. There was a lot of intensity, uh, and it was good to see. And obviously, you know, Wales were certainly there or thereabouts uh, in that match. So, you know, they really pressed South Africa, but they just couldn't hold on. And I think, you know, South Africa did show their class, and they certainly looked like they were playing the rugby uh, in the final sort of 10 minutes when things got a little bit uh, nervous, if you know what I mean, or a little bit tight. Uh, South Africa certainly looked a lot more classy uh, and, you know, they were good enough to exploit or, like, come from behind and win it. 
So yeah, I had South Africa to win by eight, uh, and South Africa won by five, uh, so that was a pretty good pick for me. Uh, on to the next match. Uh, I did not see this one, I just watched some highlights. It was a, a terrible time for me, uh, just in terms of time zones. Uh, so that was France at home to Argentina, uh, and it was 29-20 to France. Uh, and they probably looked a little bit more, they were probably a little bit more comfortable in that match uh, than the scoreline uh, makes it look. Uh, Argentina scoring fairly late uh, to make it uh, a little bit interesting. Uh, but yeah, 29-20 uh, to France, so well done there. Uh, I've picked France to win by 10, France won by 9, so again, pretty good pick for me there. Uh, into the final two matches which were played on the Sunday, uh, the first one uh, was Romania at home to Uruguay. So I picked uh, Uruguay to win by 5, uh, but it was 29-14 to Romania. So Romania won by 15. Uh, so that was quite an interesting one for me. Uh, I was well and truly off the pick there. Um, I was basically just backing uh, Uruguay and what they've been doing uh, in the Americas in terms of Rugby World Cup qualification. <clears throat> as Uruguay, uh, a couple of months ago, qualified as America's one. Uh, you know, like essentially, you know, beating out the likes of uh, the USA and Canada uh, for that qualification. Uh, but I'm not really sure what kind of Uruguay team uh, actually came over uh, to Europe, uh, you know, just with COVID-19 and just the level of professionalism that exists inside of Uruguay. Um, so maybe it wasn't really uh, a full-strength Uruguay, uh, I think, that probably turned up there for that match. Uh, whereas obviously, you know, Romania, uh, pretty much their players are playing in Romania. Maybe they're slightly scattered around a few leagues uh, in Europe, and I'm sure they pretty much had their best team uh, for that match. And they duly won it. They won it by 15. So well done to Romania. Um, certainly showing everybody that, hey, you know, we still exist, uh, and we're going to be pushing pretty hard. Romania, that is, are going to be pushing pretty hard uh, for an inclusion in Rugby World Cup 2023. They have been a very good, uh, you know, like World Cup team uh, historically, or in terms of like qualifying uh, for Rugby World Cups. So yeah, well done to Romania, really good result. Uh, and then the final game of last weekend, uh, the ninth game, if you've been counting, uh, was Scotland at home to Australia. Uh, and it was 15-13 to Scotland. So that was a huge match. Uh, and again, very dull, just in terms of, you know, not talking about a lot of tries here. I think it was one try apiece. Um, but it was just a really good match. Uh, you know, both teams just threw, threw down at each other. It was very good to watch. I, I really enjoyed it. So I really enjoyed watching, um, you know, Wales v South Africa. And I really enjoyed watching Scotland v Australia uh, on the Saturday morning uh, and the Sunday night. Thought there were a couple of really good games. Um, and, you know, well done to Scotland. Uh, they were able to hold their bottle uh, and uh, keep it, or like, you know, keep their lead uh, over Australia and win by two. Um, I think it was the, an opposite tale there. Like, for me, like, I, I felt like Scotland were genuinely playing rugby throughout the 80 minutes. Um, and, and coming into that last sort of five, 10 minutes of the game, they didn't get tight. They didn't freeze up. They didn't stop playing rugby, which is kind of what I felt like what happened to Wales uh, against South Africa uh, was Scotland. Like, they just kept coming. They just kept coming. They did actually get behind um, Australia there for um, a, a little period of time as well, you know, going quite late into the match. Australia kicked a penalty to get themselves out by one, uh, but, you know, Scotland were good enough to get themselves in a good position and respond and kick a penalty in turn and get themselves up by two. Uh, and that's the way it finished, 15-13. So, you know, I think, you know, Scotland... You know, they really deserved that win. Uh, it was no fluke. Uh, it was just really hard graft. Uh, and I think they played a full 80 minutes. So, you know, that's something that Wales uh, really needs to think about, you know, when they're in tight matches 
against you know top teams. You just got to play like right to the final 80 or like right to the final whistle. So yeah, pretty happy to see Scotland win that one. Uh, to be honest, though, uh, I picked Australia to win by 10 uh, and Scotland won by two uh, in that one. So I was off in both my Sunday picks. Uh, so how did I do, or like, what does that mean in terms of like all of my picks there uh, from last weekend? Uh, well, like I said, or I've said a couple of times here, uh, there were nine matches to pick, or nine matches to look at. Uh, I picked nine matches. I picked six correct results. So I picked six winners of nine, uh, and then I picked two of my six wins. I picked them with the margin point, which basically means that I picked my margin within five points of the real score. Uh, that being the South Africa match and the uh, France match, or those the South Africa win and the France win, or the French win. Uh, so yeah, you know, not too bad there. Um, so I picked six of nine correct outcomes, uh, and I got a couple of margin points as well. So like very, very close picks, or within five. So yeah, let's push it on to round three, which, well, I don't think we should call it round three. I think it should actually be round two. I think it's basically the second week uh, of the November Internationals. So again, uh, let's have a look through. Uh, it's a bit of a feast of rugby again. Uh, I'm just trying to see how many games are there. I think there's a couple less games than last weekend. I think we might be seven games uh, for this weekend. So yeah, let's go through uh, what we've got in front of us. Uh, so the first game, or there's actually two games um, that will be on at the same time. Again, like a early double header. Uh, and the first of these will be Italy at home to Argentina uh, from Treviso. So taking it a little bit rural, taking it a little bit provincial there, Italy, uh, and they'll be taking on Argentina. Um, so yeah, what do I expect to see there? Well, <clears throat> um, I've already locked in some picks uh, for this, so I might as well just go with what I've got in front of me. So um, I've got Argentina by 15 uh, in that first match. So Italy at home to Argentina, I think Argentina by 15. Uh, the second match of the weekend, uh, which will be on at the same time, like the second early match, will be Scotland at home to South Africa. It's going to be a very, great, a very, very good game, uh, just in terms of the, the two winners from last weekend, you know, like South Africa doing enough to get over the line against Wales, Scotland doing enough to hold out Australia. So, you know, it's, very, it's a mouth-watering clash. I'm really looking forward to, you know, to that one and to seeing, uh, you know, who comes out on top there. Uh, as it is though, I'm going to go with South Africa by three. So I'm going to go with South Africa plus three in that one. Uh, but I think it's going to be very, very tight. Uh, the third match of the weekend will be Ireland at home to New Zealand to the All Blacks. So yeah, I think this is going to be a really excellent match. Again, you know, both teams coming off uh, significant wins. Uh, you'd have to say, well, I have just, um, you know, recapped both of their games uh, just before. But, you know, certainly Ireland overperformed against Japan. New Zealand underperformed, you'd have to say, um, against Italy. Uh, but I actually think that's good for the game. Like, I think it's not, I think it's good um, that the All Blacks don't come in with this, you know, like aura of invincibility. I think it's good that Ireland comes in with some genuine confidence. Uh, and New Zealand comes in with uh, a few questions uh, of itself. Uh, and I think that's actually going to add to the match, and I think it's going to be good for both teams' psyche. Uh, so I quite like that. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got New Zealand plus 10 uh, for this one. So, you know, Ireland at home at Aviva, like they are very good, uh, and New Zealand has been made to work pretty damn hard uh, over the last, uh, basically over the last decade now, uh, like coming to Ireland uh, or coming to Dublin. Uh, but I am going to back or stay uh, with the New Zealand team. 
Um, I don't know where Ireland goes from a 60 to 5 win last weekend. Um, you know, just in terms of um, that's just a really great result. But I don't know what you do during the week. I don't know how you motivate yourself more. Like, where, where do you, what do you focus on and say, well, this didn't really work. Well, you know, we've got to do this 10% better. You know, well, if we do this, you know, we're toast. Like, it's, it's very hard, or I think it's very hard to have genuine motivation um, coming into the All Blacks or the match against New Zealand, um, you know, when you've just had a 60-5 to win over Japan, who, you know, are no mugs uh, in this day and age, certainly a top 10 team in the world, a genuine tier 1 nation these days, you know, uh, a 2019 quarter-finalist or Rugby World Cup quarter-finalist, uh, you, you really can't knock Japan uh, these days and say, you know, that's just a, you know, a, a pretty average tier 2 team, that is not the case. Uh, and like I said as well before, you know, they really pushed Australia a couple of weeks ago pretty hard in, in Japan. So, you know, Ireland can take a lot of confidence out of, out of their, like, huge margin, their, their massive victory there, 60-5. Uh, to five. But I just don't know what exactly they actually work on during the week. Uh, and you kind of know that they need to work on things. Um, like, it will be a step up, the All Blacks, uh, from Japan. But it's just hard, you know, like, when you don't really have that genuine motivation. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it might be a little bit difficult for, for Ireland. Uh, the reverse for the All Blacks, though, like, I think... The All Blacks would have been flying, you know, pretty close to cloud nine uh, after that Welsh performance. Um, you know, again, it was a little bit of a, a depleted Welsh team, but it was a pretty good Welsh team. Uh, and, you know, you can see how good that Welsh team was because it was pretty much kept intact for a second week in a row against South Africa and it almost beat the South Africans. So for New Zealand to be so comfortable the week before, you know, and put 40, uh, to put 50 plus points uh, on that Welsh or pretty much that, you know, very similar uh, Welsh team or Welsh outfit, um, you know, I think it I think it really actually showed just how good that performance was a couple of weeks back. But uh, to turn up in Rome and to just really just be, you know, pretty passive, pretty weak uh, against Italy, I think that's, that's what New Zealand almost needs. They almost need that fire, you know, to be reignited underneath them. Um, they need to be prodded. Uh, and I think you know, the New Zealand management will be actually able to get quite a lot out of the All Blacks uh, going into this Ireland match uh, because, you know, last weekend's performance against Italy certainly was subpar. So that's sort of like where I'm thinking. Like, I think both teams come in confident, but I just struggle to find where Ireland actually meaningfully, truly, honestly finds, um, you know, the right preparation uh, after just being so good against Japan. Whereas, you know, New Zealand just had a whole host of work-ons um, after that Italy performance. So, you know, I expect New Zealand to kind of get the jump on Ireland there and to probably lift more for this result or, like, for this uh, for this fixture. So, yeah, let's push it on uh, and move on to the uh, next match, which will be uh, Portugal at home to Japan. So Portugal gets a second match or a second week in a row. For second week in a row, they get a second match uh, against pretty good opposition. Uh, even better uh, than last time. So, you know, last weekend for Portugal, they were good enough to, you know, you'd have to say, in a way, almost giant kill Canada, although I think it's pretty much just taking care um, of of a rival, really, of, of a team that's about as good as you these days. Uh, but certainly Portugal at home to Japan, that's going to be a huge step up, maybe even two steps up uh, for Portugal. Uh, and I pick Japan to win by plus 30. So I think Japan's going to be hurting a lot from that Irish performance. Uh, I think they're going to turn up uh, in Portugal, uh, and they're going to you know do the business you know pretty solidly uh, on Portugal. So I've got Japan plus thirty for that one against Portugal. 
the match after that uh, will be England uh, at home to Australia, which again, that's a, another huge match. You know, you've got Scotland uh, v South Africa, uh, followed by uh, Ireland v New Zealand, and then you finish with England v Australia. So some very tasty matchups there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be England uh, at Twickenham at home to Australia. Uh, and I'm going to go England plus five for this one. So I think, you know, Australia are just going to be a touchdown. I think they're just a touchdown uh, on, like, class and cohesion. And I think you could see that uh, last week against Scotland. Um, they're missing, you know, three or four key players uh, due to a, a number of different issues. Um, you know, some of them good, some of them, some of them genuine, some of them uh, maybe not so good or, like, not great reasons. Um, but... You know, they are missing uh, some personnel, uh, which is a little bit disappointing for them in this tour. Uh, and I think England are just going to have really good belief uh, in Twickenham. Obviously, big crowds, uh, and they just went really well, especially uh, offensively or attacking-wise against Tonga uh, last weekend. They were very good. So I believe England are going to continue on with a fairly expansive game. I think they're going to take it to Australia in terms of like take it to one of Australia's strengths which is maybe some open running rugby uh, and I think they're going to outperform them uh, in, in that facet so yeah I'm looking for England to, to beat Australia there plus five um, if we move it on have a look there should be a couple more games kind of like on the Sunday so tomorrow night or certainly tomorrow night my time uh, coming to you from uh, Taiwan or like uh, China Standard Time uh, so the first of the matches will be France at home to Georgia, which is quite an interesting pick, or like quite an interesting, um, quite an interesting match for France. I actually quite like that. Like I like how France uh, got to take on Argentina last weekend. Uh, they get a look at Georgia. They're going down to the south of France. They're going to Bordeaux, so they're going away from uh, Paris, uh, taking it southern or southern France. Um, have a look at Georgia, which I think is a genuinely very good kind of like tier two team. Uh, and then obviously next weekend they'll be back up in Paris to take on the All Blacks. So, you know, I don't think France's gas tank is going to be, you know, um, too drained uh, when they come up against the All Blacks next weekend. Whereas, you know, the All Blacks are going to have to throw a lot of petrol into the tank uh, against Ireland this weekend or tonight. So I think that's pretty good for France. Um, they can certainly be a little bit rotational, I think, with some of their selections. Um, and I think, you know, they'll have a good, hard, competitive hit out with Georgia. Uh, but I think, again, you know, they, they are a serious class above uh, the Georgians. So I've got France uh, plus 20 for that one. I think it'll be a fairly uh, good match, and it will certainly be, you know, uh, a, a tight first half for sure. Uh, but I think France will do, will, will just sort of comfortably manage that match uh, and have a lot left uh, for the following weekend against the All Blacks. So I do like that, I do like that scheduling uh, for France, uh, the fact that, you know, Argentina and Paris go to the south of France, take on Georgia and Bordeaux, and then back up to take on the All Blacks Week 3 uh, in Paris. I think that bodes well for their campaign. So yeah, France plus 20 there. Uh, and then things finish off on the Sunday night with Wales, uh, third weekend in a row uh, in Cardiff. Uh, Wales will be at home to Fiji. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd they get for that. Um, after Wales have had the All Blacks roll through, South Africa roll through, now they've got Fiji. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of crowd they get for that. Um, and it will be interesting to see where Wales are at uh, after, you know, obviously kind of getting uh, slapped around just a touch uh, by the All Blacks, um, being very competitive uh, and at stages outperforming the, the South Africans, you'd have to say. Uh, and now they're getting a look at Fiji. It'll be like a week 
to Fiji uh, who have had a little bit of time together and obviously got a fairly easy match against Spain last weekend. So yeah, you know, I think that's going to even things up just a touch. Uh, obviously the roof will be open uh, for COVID reasons. Uh, they can't have a closed roof. So that is certainly going to hurt uh, Fiji and its attacking game. Certainly going to favour Wales. Uh, and I think Wales, you know, coming off the back of basically playing, you know, world number one, world number two, uh, and the world champions, um, you know, I think they're going to be good enough to beat Fiji at home. Uh, like third time's the trick, right? So I back Wales there plus 10 over Fiji. Uh, and I wouldn't actually be surprised if that was more like plus 15, plus 20. I, I think Wales will do a really good job at expressing themselves uh, third week in a row at home. So yeah, uh, those are the games, or like those are the seven games that I've got to pick. Um, I'm just using the Superbrew uh, website, whatever you want to call it, uh, which is sort of like rugby prediction, rugby fantasy. Uh, I like using Superbrew. Um, just keeps you in the game or, you know, keeps you uh, on top of like what's going on. Um, in terms of rugby, uh, if you use it. So yeah, I'll just recap those games really fast, uh, just in terms of like who's playing and what margin I'm giving, uh, just in case anybody cares. Uh, and then I want to finish this uh, with a little bit of a look uh, at the, a little bit more of a focused look uh, at a preview of the Ireland v New Zealand match. So yeah, uh, if I go back to the top though for the matches today, which will be starting, um, I'm doing this about four o'clock my time. I think the first match is getting underway about nine o'clock my time so i guess these games are starting in about four hours um and yeah i'll be getting this podcast up in the next yeah next hour or so so i guess you might get these matches um or you might listen to this before the games but probably quite likely uh that the games have already been played so yeah let's get on the record though so just to recap there first match italy at home to argentina i've got argentina plus 15 Second match, Scotland at home to South Africa. I've got Scotland plus three. Uh, Third match, Ireland at home to New Zealand. I've got New Zealand, the mighty All Blacks, plus 10. Uh, Portugal at home to Japan. I've got Japan plus 30. Uh, England at home to Australia. I've got England plus five. Uh, Sunday matches, France at home to Georgia. I've got France plus 20. Uh, And the final match, Wales at home to Fiji, I've got Wales plus 10. So there you go. We'll see how, well, we'll see how I go, I guess, uh, for this weekend. But yeah, let's push it on uh, to the final thing that I want to do, which is a quick preview uh, of the All Blacks v Ireland from Dublin. Uh, So yeah, uh, I've just got a little article here from allblacks.com. As you know, uh, I'm a New Zealander and, you know, I love... New Zealand rugby, uh, and so yeah, I'm just sort of doing a slightly, a slight, a slight deep dive. I, I don't know if that's oxymoronic. I don't know, but a slight, a slightly more of a deep dive, I guess, uh, into this match than the others. Uh, certainly, I'm a little bit more passionate about this one, uh, and I do think that it uh, it stands on its own two feet these days. Just um, you know, the rivalry between uh, Ireland and the All Blacks, or Ireland and New Zealand uh, in rugby over the last sort of five to ten years is very genuine uh, and I have a lot of respect for this Irish team uh, so I am uh, equal parts looking forward to and a little bit nervous uh, about this game that's coming up tonight so yeah um, looking at allblacks.com though um, so it'll be from a Philly uh, all black uh, what would you say it's Philly all black centric I guess uh, the article so yeah let's go through it 
preview. All Blacks v Island, Dublin. Um, so yeah, not sure who wrote it though. Uh, doesn't actually give a credit as to who the author is. So continuing on, over the past decade, the All Blacks rivalry with Ireland has developed into one of the fiercest and most hotly contested in rugby. And this weekend, a packed Aviva Stadium will be on hand to watch the latest chapter unfold. I really would agree with that, uh, and I think you could see it uh, at the last World Cup, uh, when New Zealand really wanted to top their pool, beat South Africa, and avoid Ireland uh, in a quarter-final. Uh, as it turned out, Ireland wasn't good enough to win their pool, Japan was, uh, and Ireland finished second and, stu and still drew the All Blacks in a quarter-final. And the All Blacks obviously prepared massively for that match, and they, you know, put on a real clinic, you know, put 40-plus points on Ireland and really put them away in that quarter-final, but you could see that they really cared about it. It really did mean something to them, and they were quite worried about that quarter-final. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it bowed uh, it bowed badly. Uh, it was it was bad for them. Like, the following weekend, I think they were a little bit psychologically spent on that, on that Irish quarter-final. It's definitely part of the reason, you know, like why they were so poor the following week against England. So, you know, the rivalry between these two teams is real, for sure, and the All Blacks certainly feel it. Um, so the next part here is just gives you some official details. Uh, so match details: All Blacks v Ireland, Saturday, thirteenth of November, three fifteen p.m. GMT, uh, which is Sunday, four fifteen New Zealand time, uh, and I believe that is eleven fifteen my time, China Standard Time uh, in Asia. So it'll be at Aviva Stadium, in Dublin. Um, if you have a look at the historic record between the two. Uh, played 32, All Blacks 29 wins, Ireland 2 wins, and 1 draw. Uh, the last time the two teams played was the Rugby World Cup, and it was All Blacks 46-14. That was on the 19th of October 2019. So yeah, that was the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. Uh, the referee for this one will be Luke Pierce. Now, I think Luke Pierce is an English referee, and I believe he refereed the All Blacks um, during the Rugby Championship. So that's actually quite good, I think, for the game. Um, the All Blacks will be uh, fairly up-to-date, I think, and just in terms of how he you know, polices the breakdown, how he referees uh, the match as such. So that should be good. That should be good for the match. Uh, continuing on, uh, a historic milestone in sight. So against Italy last week, the All Blacks broke the, re the world record for most tries and most points scored in a calendar year. The 47-9 victory in Rome took the All Blacks to 675 points in 2021, ahead of South Africa's previous record of 658 from 2007. On the try-scoring front, the All Blacks scored 7 tries to go to 96 tries for the year, leapfrogging Argentina, who scored 92 tries in 2003. Uh, with two tests remaining in 2021, the All Blacks require 4 tries to become the first team in history to score 100 tries in a test season. So yeah, quite a lot of stats there, but uh, some of them are quite important or quite special. So, you know, even though it was a little bit of a subpar performance uh, v Italy, or that's certainly what I think, um, they did enough to they, they did enough in terms of uh, how many points they scored and how many tries they scored uh, to pick up two, uh, you know, really prestigious records. So, you know, uh, most points in a calendar year is now this All Blacks team of 2021. Most tries in a calendar year is now this All Blacks team of 2021. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then obviously, you know, uh, if they can be fairly aggressive, uh, take their opportunities uh, tonight against Ireland, they can score four tries. Uh, that would 
well and truly put them on the way to probably winning the match, uh, and it would also give them 100 tries uh, in, in a test season in a calendar year. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, but continuing on, uh, things changed tact a little bit in the article. So it says, difficult Dublin. So when describing a team's home record in rugby, the word fortress has become a cliché. For Ireland and Aviva Stadium, that, wor- that word rings true, though. Aviva Stadium, formerly Lansdowne Road, has long been one of the hardest places to win away from home at in the Six Nations, and the All Blacks have found out why in recent times. In 2013, it took a comeback for the ages for the All Blacks to prevent Ireland from securing their first victory over the team in black. Then in 2016, the All Blacks had to scrap hard for a 21-9 victory, just one week after Ireland had defeated the All Blacks for the first time in Chicago. The last time they met in Dublin in 2018, Ireland walked away victors 16-9. If recent history is anything to go by, we are set for another classic on the weekend. So yeah, you know, like there really have been a lot of good games, a lot of tight, close games uh, between the All Blacks and Ireland uh, over the last sort of five to ten years. It really is, it really has developed into a very good rivalry. It will be interesting to see, you know, like uh, no Steve Hansen obviously for the All Blacks, uh, and no Joe Smith either uh, for Ireland. Uh, the two head coaches, you know, that took Ireland and the All Blacks, uh, you know, into the last Rugby World Cup. So you know, certainly it's a new chapter. Uh, and you know, no ability for you know Southern Hemisphere teams to play Northern Hemisphere teams last year. So you know, that's going to be the first time uh, that the All Blacks you know get a really good hard look, um, you know, at Ireland uh, in this new World Cup cycle. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what pops up. Uh, continuing on with the article, Barrett versus Sexton. Mm-hmm. So the two tens, the two starting first fives. So two absolute masters of their craft will do battle once more in Dublin. There are many parallels to the careers of Jonathan Sexton and Bowden Barrett. They are both former World Player of the Year winners, Sexton in 2018 and Barrett in 2016 and 2017. Both have recently passed 100 tests for the nation, and both will undoubtedly go down amongst the greatest playmakers ever produced by their country. Bowden Barrett paid tribute to Sexton during the week. I admire his play, his longevity, and how influential he is. He has great skill sets. Probably one of the great strengths of his game is his ability to get second touches and always be a threat. There's a lot to admire about him and the way he plays, Barrett said. Well, you know, fair enough. I definitely don't think that Barrett is uh, foxing there or anything. Like, I, I do believe um, that Bowden Barrett truly does respect uh, Johnny Sexton as such. Um, but I've got to be honest, uh, I guess uh, definitely got my eye patch on here but you know as an All Blacks supporter and as a Hurricanes supporter that has watched a lot of Bowdoin Barrett rugby uh, over the last sort of 10 years um, it's a little bit hard for me to say that I truly think that Bowdoin Barrett and Jonathan Sexton are at the same level if you know what I mean um, <clears throat> they certainly have different skill sets um, and I would say if you want to play more of a sort of like 10 man wet weather rugby uh, you want to play something a little bit more territorial obviously you want to you know kick your penalties then, you know, Jonathan Sexton is your man. Uh, but, you know, if you need someone to break a game open, uh, you know, you, you want something to be fairly high scoring, uh, you want an actual individual to take the game by the scruff of its neck, uh, I think that's Bowden Barrett, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, you look at Johnny Sexton, it's like, you know, where can you play him away from 10? I think the answer is basically nowhere. He very much is a first five, and he's like a kicking first five. And I think he's a kick first, pass second kind of first five. 
Uh, whereas Bowden Barrett, you know, obviously you can play him 10. You can play him anywhere in the back three. He's actually very good as a 23, i.e. utility, um, you know, coming on for, you know, energy in a final, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, he was an incredible utility, uh, you know, for the All Blacks for four years uh, in that role. Uh, and I, you know, and I think there's a case to be made that you could actually play Bowden Barrett at second five, although no one ever seems to do that uh, at club level and/or internationally. I'm not sure why. Uh, you know, when you have the class of Richie Moanga, hey, why not let's have a look at Bowden Barrett at twelve, right? But you know what I mean. Essentially, Bowden Barrett can play almost anywhere from ten out. Johnny Sexton can only play ten, uh, and I think you know just the way they both approach the match. You know, Bowden Barrett is certainly um, a run. A, a pass, a run slash pass first kind of guy, uh, and if he is kicking, you know he's kicking aggressively. You know he's he's kicking to get through the line. He's kicking to get uh, out wide to the wingers, etc. Uh, he's not playing massive territorial, you know, um, ping pong as such. Uh, and then obviously his place kicking is pretty terrible. You'd have to say uh, at the international level. So you'd 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 have to say that. They actually are almost complete opposites of each other, really, uh, if you compare them up. And they're certainly both very good players. Uh, but I think Bowden Barrett is a great player. And I think Johnny Sexton is a very good player. That's just my opinion. Uh, could well be proven wrong, though, uh, tonight in the next few hours, right? So continuing on, uh, sort of last part of the article. Uh, familiar faces. So former Hurricanes and Blues halfback Jameson Gibson Park, former Chiefs and Tasman wing James Lowe, and former Chiefs midfielder Bundy Arkey have all been named in Ireland's backline to face the All Blacks. Gibson Park and Lowe are also both former Māori All Blacks who debuted for Ireland in 2020, while Arkey first pulled on the green jersey back in 2017 and represented the British and Irish Lions this year. James Lowe said he was has fond memories of growing up and playing with many current All Blacks. Some of my best friends are starters in that All Blacks team. I went to school with two or three of them, uh, I played with, with a few of them when they were younger, and I said, these kids are going to have a big future, and now they have cemented themselves in the 15, Lowe said. So yeah, you know, definitely some, um, some quality uh, New Zealand uh, talent uh, that has, you know, found its way over to the, um, basically to the Irish club game, uh, and now to the, you know, the Irish national team. And so, you know, best of luck to Jameson Gibson Park, James Lowe, and, and Bundy Arkey. Uh, but yeah, you know, James Lowe. Definitely, um, you know, one that got away uh, for the New Zealand system, that's for sure. So, yeah, he'll be uh, pretty exciting to watch on the wing, for sure. Um, so, the rest of the article uh, just has a couple of uh, sort of, like, tweets uh, inside of the article. Uh, and it just gives you the teams, like it breaks you down, it breaks down the 23 uh, of both teams. But I don't think I'm going to go there and, and tell you that. Um, you know, it's pretty easy for you to, you know, just Google search uh, the All Blacks and who's starting and who's in the 23. Uh, and, you know, obviously do the same thing for the Irish, uh, you know, the Irish rugby team. So, yeah, uh, I'm not going to waste your time there uh, and go through all those matchups. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say the All Blacks have certainly picked uh, their team pretty correct. Uh, I do like uh, that Barrett is getting the start over Moanga. Actually, I mean, I guess, well, I do like that Barrett's getting the start over Mwanga. I think it is the right thing uh, right now. Uh, but I am a little bit worried about what Mwanga brings off the bench. I think if the All Blacks are to play um, Richie Mwanga from the bench, I think they need to get him in involved in the game quite early. Uh, if you have Bowden Barrett on the bench, I think you can bring him on quite late. You know, 60, 65 minutes for Bowden Barrett. He can still be very meaningful in a match, even if you give him 20 minutes. 
But I think with Richie Mwanga, you, you really need to get him on at like sort of 45, 50 minutes. You really need to give him pretty much a half of rugby to just get himself going uh, and establish himself in the match. Uh, so I hope that that is something that happens uh, for the All Blacks or like uh, in this match tonight. Uh, if you're kind of counting on Richie Mwanga to just come on and provide pure energy, you know, with 10-15 to go, uh, I just, I, I haven't really seen it be very effective uh, for the All Blacks or really for any team um, where he comes off the bench. So, you know, I think Richie Mwanga is an out-and-out -out starter, and if you are going to put him on the bench, I think you've got to give him, you know, pretty close to a half or pretty close to a second half. Uh, how you work Bowden Barrett from there, though, uh, that would be quite interesting. You know, I you know, do you sub Barrett at sort of like 50 minutes, uh, or do you get him into your back three? Yeah, that'd be quite interesting to see uh, if that plays out, or you know how that all plays out. Um, the the four pack looks really good. Uh, it's basically the same four pack I believe uh, that took on Wales two weeks ago, uh, and that went very well. So um, you know they're going to have their work cut out against Ireland, but I think they're up for it. Uh, and again, uh, Finlay Christie will be starting, or oh, sorry, will be on the bench behind TJ Perinara, who's starting. And again, I think I'd quite like to see Finlay Christie get on fairly early uh, for TJ Perinara, who is almost like an unofficial like fourth loose forward, does a lot of good things, has really great running lines and really great support plays, great link man, uh, pretty good box kicker as well. Uh, but, you know, you'd have to say, you know, and defensively, I guess is what I mean. He's sort of like an unofficial fourth flanker. It's quite physical uh, for a halfback, but Pedernara really does have some issues around his passing game, and he's had that, and he's had those issues at test level for a couple of years now. Uh, so, you know, if, if the ball is a touch wet, a touch dewy, uh, and we're needing kind of crisp, crisp service uh, to the first five or to the first receiver, uh, I do hope that they, you know, pull the trigger on... Um, you know, a fairly early shot at Finlay Christie. So yeah, uh, that's a couple of things uh, that I'd like to see. Uh, I guess one more interesting thing for the All Blacks 23 uh, is David Harvili will not be starting at 12. Uh, Anton Leonard-Brown will start at 12, um, which is, you know, definitely a hat tip to experience. Harvili's on the bench, uh, and I guess, you know, he can pretty much cover anything from 10 out, but obviously he'll be primarily covering um, the midfield, I guess, uh, and maybe fullback. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what David Harvili can bring uh, off the bench with uh, maybe slightly more tired defences uh, because he has actually looked pretty contained uh, in his last couple of performances. So yeah, good stuff. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, it's about 55 minutes, getting a bit long. So uh, thank you very much for listening, uh, if you did. Um, if you would like to support me... Uh, what can you do? Well, I have a Facebook page, The Rugby Gods Podcast. So if you go to Facebook uh, and have a look for The Rugby Gods Podcast, uh, please give me a like and or a follow. Uh, there should be a Facebook page there. Uh, and, you know, feel free to send me uh, comments and or private messages there as well. Anything uh, about rugby, uh, and I'm happy to chat with you. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much about all I'm really doing for uh, social media. Uh, if you want to basically um, share this podcast on my behalf, that would be awesome as well. Uh, it's always great word of mouth, um, you know, if it's not me promoting myself. So if you enjoyed this podcast or any others uh, that you've heard, uh, you know, feel free to share it with your friends. That would be awesome uh, for me as well. Uh, I feel like there is something else that I should be doing or saying, but I can't really remember it. Uh, and it's getting a little bit late and I need to pop off. So, yeah, um, just thanks a lot. Uh, I hope things are going well in your life. I hope you're doing good things, uh, and I hope good things are happening for you. Um, yeah, just enjoy your rugby this weekend. It's going to be another great weekend uh, of games. 
Uh, and yeah, best of luck uh, to the New Zealand National Provincial Competition uh, for next week. Uh, I'm pretty damn sure I'll get a podcast in um, either a post-mortem uh, of the finals uh, or something or a quick cheeky slide preview. Uh, but you know, hopefully if you're somewhere in the world and you love rugby, uh, maybe you can check that competition out. There should be a couple of really good matches uh, next weekend. Uh, and obviously, you know, what's going on in Europe at the moment uh, with uh, so many teams there and so many interesting uh, you know, crossover matches. Uh, I hope you've got some ability to watch that uh, wherever you are. So yeah, leaving it at that. Take care of yourself. Uh, be good, stay safe, and just enjoy life. And yeah, I'll see you later. Ka kite anō.